world says he's not coming. They live like there's no end. But it don't matter what the world says. Ready or not, he's coming again. And ready or not, the Lord is coming. Ascend. The sun will be dark, stars will be falling, ready or not, he's coming again. They're going to run to the rocks and the mountains and cry for the rocks to fall on them. But they can't hide from his great judgment, already or not, he's coming again, and ready or not. Just 
children in church don't ever don't ever leave and God makes that promise to us and I get to stand up here and I'm singing and they're playing and, I'm, and that's a promise God made me and I there was times I didn't I didn't think that was gonna happen you know what I mean I thought where did I fail where did I go wrong and uh, he, he just looks right, right past us and blesses us anyway I love him I took all those weights and I laid down my visit a church it was quiet as could be there was nobody praising the Lord nobody but me well they said I was emotional oh you know I kind of felt out of place oh cuz when I come to church I don't just come to take up space. Cause I'm just warming up. Yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm just, just warming, warming up. up. Yeah. I'm just warming up for that meeting in the air. If you think I'm strange, don't wait for me to change. Cause I'm just warming up.
the offering. Little do you know, sitting there, this is a special day. Some of you know it and some of you don't. But it is a special day. And you'll find it out here in a little bit. But there's something else going on besides that today. And God is here and he's speaking to hearts. And I want you to hear what God has said this week. I, I feel like that as I was studying this week, I could, I could have just got into the Sunday school lesson because it seemed like uh, I was following a lot with what the Sunday school lesson. Connie, you was all over my, my sermon today in Sunday school. But some of you didn't come to Sunday school, so you ain't going to miss nothing. So you have to hear it anyway. And uh, I appreciate what God has done. I appreciate what God is doing in our church. I know there's a few people missing a day. We've got some families, four or five families together, all camping up north. And I want you to pray for them. I want you to pray for my sister Vicki. Dust was here, but Vicki's been down on her back for a week or two. And she's still having a hard time getting around. And she's got to go for a shot this week, I think, in her back. And uh, hope they can help her to get some of that inflammation off of her back so she can get up and walk again. Uh, I want to ask you a question. When me and my brothers was young, that's a long time ago. <laughs> we never ask what we get. We never ask what's our inheritance. We never ask for nothing like that. All we ever ask for is how much food we get when we got to the table. That's all we cared about, you know. We were eaters, and we loved to eat, and Mama loved to cook for us. And I ain't just my brothers. I got sisters, too. But we all, uh, we enjoyed on the how much you got. And sometimes I can remember Mom buying those big, giant, they were cheap. You know, you have to live a while to see them, but they were, they were a bag about that big a plastic bag that didn't even have no writing on it. And it was wheat puffs. And mom bought them because we ate so much cereal that she'd buy that big old wheat puff and it just had a bread wrap around the top of it. And that's we would eat bowl after bowl of cereal. She loved to fill us up with whatever. I'm not talking about things because... If I was looking for inheritance, a lot of people today, you may be in the inheritance line. You may have already received inheritance from your folks or whatever. The Bible talks about laying up for your children's children. And I realize that's in there. And I realize that there's not a parent alive in America that doesn't wish to be able to hand their children an easier road than they, they, they came. But I want you to listen to something that's more important. Because the inheritance of this world, people has went way overboard with. DJ is talking about an unbalanced things that he was talking about the other night. The world has gone overbalanced. 
they have gone too far with it. It doesn't matter if your children are rich when you leave here. I had a guy at my work to tell me I want to leave. I had three daughters. He said, I got to leave every one of them at least $300,000. And I thought when he said that, unless they're just like you, they'll spend all of that just in a short time. Truthfully. You know what? Leaving that kind of inheritance is not what your children need. It's, it's good to help them. It's good to be able to hand down stuff to them. But if that's all I got from my mother and father was money, I'd be ever so miserable. But I've got memories of them loving us, correcting us, showing us what life was about, teaching us, and then presenting Christ to us with all they could live. And I look around here today and I see some elders that have spent their lifetime showing their children what it means to live for Jesus. They didn't do everything perfect. They didn't even walk for God perfect. But can I tell you, they never sat down on God. They always came on. They always went forward. They always were living the life that God had given them to live. That doesn't happen because you want to be religious. That doesn't happen because your parents are saved. That doesn't make you saved. You know, you can think, well, I believe in, in the God that my mother and father believed in. You need to know him personally. That is, to me, your inheritance. I know you don't want to hear this, but you're going to hear it. And it's a good inheritance. It's the best inheritance you could ever get. And I want to talk about our inheritance today. There's a scripture in the 32nd chapter of Exodus. This was after Israel. Moses had went up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. Israel cut down below. They were getting restless. They didn't, couldn't stand to wait no longer. They decided, go get all the gold in the camp and let's make us a golden calf. And they began to serve the golden calf, worship the golden calf. And after they worshiped it and praised the golden calf, they gave it credit for bringing them out of Egypt. And it was God that brought them out of there. And God said to Moses, go back down because they're destroying themselves. They're doing exactly against what I told them not to do. They're going against him. Moses, read, I'm going to read one scripture that Moses, after God come, sent Moses back down, Moses stood in the gap for the people. Listen. It says in the 32nd chapter of Exodus, the 13th verse, it says, Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. This is Moses talking to God. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swear by thine own self, and said unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I have spoken of will I give it unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. How many knows when God chooses you, just like when he chose Israel, 
And he promised Abraham, I'm not only going to make a people out of you, Abraham, but I'm going to give you the land of Canaan. I'm going to give you the land of Israel. It's going to be taken away from the people that's on it because they were wicked. They did not live right, and God had gave it to Abraham through a promise. How many knows the promise of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? That's who the children of Israel are. And here they have come to a place where they flipped on God and they turned and started worshiping where they, God had delivered them out of Egypt. Now, I'm only telling you that because I want you to hear that they had an inheritance and God was the inheritance. He gave them that land over there in Israel. You can argue about it. We talked about it last week. God's bringing Israel back to the land, 1948. Israel came back to their land. We can talk about all those things. It's their land. God gave it to them long time ago through a promise with Abraham. We can talk about all that stuff, but can I tell you, that don't bring Israel back. What brings them back is when they see what God has done by sending his son. Because see, until they get a picture of the only Savior in their heart, they won't receive what God has for them. They won't inherit it. But you and I get to be involved in this because of their rejection we get to be accepted into the kingdom of God. No matter who you are, where you come from, now I don't care how many mistakes you made. I don't care if, you don't, if you're ignorant of all scripture. If you come to Jesus, the only way of salvation, he will accept you as his child and he will install inside of you the inheritance of being a child of God. I want you to hear that today because if you don't know him, you need to know him. It's the only way to get out of this world and live eternally with him. You want to meet with your parents or your loved ones that serve God? You want to ever see them again? You better get a hold of God inside of you. It's your responsibility. Get a hold of it. In the 32nd chapter of Deuteronomy, 5 Books later, Moses wrote, For the Lord's portion, verse 9, Deuteronomy 32, verse 9. The Lord's portion is his people. Listen to these words. The Lord's portion is his people. Do you think God needs the world that he created? Do you think he needs all the animals to come around him and hold him and uh, hold him and hug him? Do you think he needs no his inheritance is his people? Why? Because he set his heart upon the people. He made the people to have a relationship. We are made in the image of God. How I many knows that's true? And he wants a relationship with us. But he goes on to say. For the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, talking about Israel, is the lot of his inheritance. Now I want you to turn to 16th chapter of, of Psalms. I'm going to read what David said about it. And I want to read in the 16th chapter of Psalms, I want to read verse 5, 5 through 8. It says, David said this, The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance. How many knows when David said that he got it? 
See, God has made his people his inheritance. We don't really understand what it means to be a child of God until we decide he is my inheritance. I mean, here's what I'm saying. I don't care about this world. Even uh, John 14 will tell you that uh, I go away to prepare a place for you and where I am, he says uh, about having mansions in heaven. I don't care about a mansion. You know what? You can move me down to the hills that ain't going to make one bit of difference. I got brother-in-laws and brothers that have been in some of them homes putting up drapery. And you know, sometimes it's sad. You'll have one person maybe in the house and they can't even clean it. They're too old or too sick to be able to clean it. But they got it. It shines. Everybody drives by and says, wow, look at what they got. You might think you got something with a mansion, but I'll tell you right now, the mansion's no good without the one that goes in it. If Christ is not your possession, if he is not who you love, and he is not your inheritance, you're missing it. You got to understand, you got to fall in love with him. And I think David gets it here. He said, the Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lions are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. Now, David was blessed. He did go from being a shepherd to the king. But I'm telling you, he's looking beyond that. He says, I have set the Lord, verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Because he's at my right hand. Whatever happens, Sue, in this life, no matter what we lose, no matter what we gain, guess what? Set the Lord before your face. He's your portion. He's who you want to hold on to. I shall not be moved in this life because I have made up my mind I need Jesus more than I need anything else. So you can't motivate me. I keep telling us, had one of those uh, Spectrum guys come up there. He won't give me a TV. And I said, buddy, I don't want your TV. He says, why not, sir? I said, Shirley was sitting there. I said, all right, I'm sorry. But until you can clean up the filth on it, don't bother to ask me to take it. I'm not paying for filth to come in my house. He just looked at me. He said, oh, yeah. I said, you're right, buddy. You know what? You're, I'm a Christian too. <laughs> That's what he said. Fast as he could while he was walking backwards. I'm not picking on him. I'm just saying that isn't my portion. That isn't my heritage that I get TV that's got everything on it. There ain't nothing the world's got that I need. I'm sorry. I mean, I like, I like a car. I like a truck. I like to have a nice house. I like it clean. I like a lot of stuff. But that ain't my portion. My portion's got to be in Christ. It's got to be that I would set him before my face and I hold on to him and I will not be moved. Until you make up your mind that you're going to live that kind of a Christian life, and I'm not telling you be like me, I'm telling you make up your own mind to say, Lord, I'm going for you. I'm not waiting on the enemy to call me back into the world and pray that God will give me a great blessing of a lot of things to go with it. I'm not looking for my heritage here. On down in the 73rd Psalm, 
73. Verse 25. This is Asaph. He's one of the musician sing, uh, players. And it says here, 25th verse of 73, it says, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon the earth that I desire besides thee. My flesh and my heart fails, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Asaph gets it. He gets it. I'm glad he wrote this. He gets it. He's just like King David. He gets it. He's my portion. I don't need this world and its things. My heart fails my flesh. My body fails me. All these things fail us. But he don't ever fail us. He don't ever change. I set him before me. He's always there. His word is just as alive now. He ain't stuck in time. He ain't dying. He ain't sick like you and me. He's an eternal God that has called you and I out and had us come and be his children, his portion, his inheritance. Lamentation, listen to what Jeremiah said, real short. Lamentation 3, 24. That's after Jeremiah and before Ezekiel. It says in the 24th verse, the Lord is my portion saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. I think Jeremiah got it. The Lord is my portion. He gets it, don't he? Bobby, he gets it. Every time I read that, and it's all through scripture, I realize that person got it. It's Christ. It's God. He is my portion. Get a hold of him. Don't let him go. Don't trade him for good looks. Don't trade him for good music. Don't trade him for good singing. Don't trade him for anything. He's first, and he is your portion. Now I want to turn to Hebrews 11. This is talking about Abraham, but it's Apostle Paul writing about him. And Hebrews 11, which is the, they call the, the heroes chapter, the heroes of faith. And it says in verse 9 of Hebrew 11, By faith, talking about Abraham, he sojourned in the land of promise. That means sojourn means he journeyed through the land of promise. Did you know when Abraham went to the land of promise, the land that God gave him, the land of Canaan, guess what he saw? He saw dirt on the ground just like you see out here. He saw even a famine in the land. He had been promised by God a land flowing with milk and honey. He'd been promised from God something much greater than a little piece of land. I mean, here's what I'm saying. Look beyond that little patch of land over there in Israel. Not that I'm saying it's not God's place. It is. And the someday soon, hear me, all of you Christians, listen to me, someday soon, the Bible says there's a 1,400 square uh, cube coming out of heaven. You can call this crazy if you want to. You can call it whatever you want. But the truth is, the new Jerusalem is coming down out of heaven. It's coming right to the place of where Jerusalem is. And it's the new Jerusalem. 1,400, I think it is, square foot. All the way around, high and everything else. 
It's the new Jerusalem. That's our inheritance. And guess what? That's what Abraham was looking for. You say, what are you talking about? Abraham lived way before. He never even saw Jerusalem like you'd see it now. I know uh, Maria and some of them went to Jerusalem. You can go and you can walk through there and it's an old city and there's got a lot of heritage. But can I tell you something? The true heritage that Abraham was looking for wasn't there. Listen to what I'm telling you. It's still coming. Abraham looked for it all his days till he died. His people looked for it until the days they died. And I can tell you, the new Jerusalem's coming. Yeah, sounds like a fairy story. Sounds like a pie in the sky if you want to. You can say it any way you want to. But God's word ain't never going to come. It's going to come to pass. It's not going to pass away. It's not going to be changed. God said it and it will happen. If he can place this world and put everything in its place, I promise you he can do that also. And he will. He goes on to say in verse 10, For he looked for a city which hath foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Did he see that when he got to Jerusalem, when he got to the land of Canaan? Abraham didn't see that. He actually went on down to Egypt. Because why? There was a drought there. He had people with him. He had to feed them. But he was sent by God to go through that land. Then verse, all the way down to verse 13, he says, These all died, talking about the people that carried with him. It says, And these all died, uh, not having received the promise, for having seen them afar off, were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. I don't know if you know this or not, but you're a stranger and pilgrim on this earth if you're a child of God. This ain't home to you. You got your conversation in heaven with God. Hear what I'm telling you. Get this in your mind because this, this scripture is written to children of God. It's written, Paul spoke it because he was letting you know that Abraham got it. He understood it. He was looking for that Messiah. He was looking for the one to set this all into order and to bring us to God. It goes on to verse 16, the last one in that, or one last one I'm going to read here. It says, Hebrew 11, 16, but now they desire a better country. That is an heavenly coming out of heaven. Even Abraham knew it. It was coming out of heaven. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Now, if you've got your Bible, won't you turn to Ecclesiastes? Our Sunday school, the last quarter was about Ecclesiastes, I think. Some the writings of Solomon. Solomon was a man of God, and in one sense, he was given the, a, a gift of wisdom. I've met some wise people. I used to think my father was a wise person, and I, I could listen to him say stuff, and I'd think, how did he know that? How did it? But God was using him, so God was talking through him. But I tell you that when, when Solomon took over as king, God asked him, what would you want me to give you? And he said, I want wisdom to, to uh, rule your people. And God gave him a wisdom, a great wisdom. 
And I want to tell you, that wisdom wasn't just because he got knowledge. No, that wisdom was because he got it from above. God knows all things. God sees all things. But it says here in Ecclesiastes, the first chapter, I want you to look at verse 2. It says, vanity of vanity, says the preacher, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor which he takes under the sun? What profit is all of your labor in life? What does it get you? Well, might get you money in the bank. But if your soul's required, what good is it? It might buy you a nice big house. But if your soul's required and it's your time to leave here, what have you got? You can't take it with you. It might get you nice clothes, but your clothes are going to be left. You won't have nothing to take with you unless you get Christ. Then you have something. Why am I saying this? I want you to understand what, what Solomon is writing about. Solomon is this wise person. He's kind of drifted away from understanding it all because he sees it all. And he don't understand. It's like if you see that rich person back at that time, a rich person was blessed of God. A poor person was cursed of God. And that's the way they looked at it. But here is Solomon, and he's well off. He's wealthy. People came from all over to hear the wisdom of, of Solomon. And they brought the goods to him. And here he is setting upon the kingdom. But he realizes there's nothing here. It's all vanity of vanity. That means it's useless. It doesn't help me because I'm getting old. It doesn't help me because I'm dying in this body. I'm not going to, I don't know what my tomorrow's going to be. Solomon said it in his mind. He goes on down to verse 8. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. Listen to this. The eye is not satisfied with seeing. Did you ever see stuff and then want it so bad and go get it? And then how many know six months later it don't mean that much to you? Maybe even not that long. Did you ever, did you ever, what's the next part? It says, nor the hear, nor the ear filled with hearing. It doesn't matter what you see or what you hear. Everything you want in this life is empty. It's a dead end. I'm not trying to bust your bubble. And I'm try, surely not trying to destroy our young people's future. I want you to understand, you've got to strive, you've got to work, you've got to do the things that God gives you, not because you're trying to obtain this world, not that you're trying to get all these things. No, you're obeying God. And following his will. Because the only thing that matters in your life is what you've done for Christ when it's over. I know you don't want to hear this, but I've got to tell you the truth. That's the truth. We cannot be completely satisfied with earthly pleasures and pursuits. We are made, listen to this, in God's image... How can you take an eternal being made in the image of God and make it satisfied with worldly things? Listen to what God's saying. Christian, you got to get this real clear. 
as a Christian, if I'm a child of God and the Spirit of God dwells inside of me, the Spirit of God's telling me, don't worry about what this world's got. Don't worry about what you don't have. Don't worry about what somebody else's. Your neighbor's got a bigger camper than you got or a bigger car than you got. Your neighbors, they make me so mad. I don't know how they afford it. You know what? Get over it. It ain't your world. That's all they've got. Can I tell you? That's all they got. But you need to understand we are made in God's image and we are made for eternity. You and I are made for eternity. I don't know if you know it or not. You may think you're just made to live what your heritage of your parents. I looked up on the family tree the other day, Mark. All of our grandpas, outside of dad, after dad, three grandpas of the Pruitts, they died at 81. Well, maybe that's our trait. 81, that's our heritage. We get to 81. Does that mean anything, Beck? You know what, if I die at 81 and, and if I make 82, I guess I beat them. You can write it down on the tree. But the real truth is, does that matter? You know what? You can, gra you can grasp a hold of all the heritage of your people, but can I tell you something? Get a hold of the heritage of who God wants you to be because he'll bloom you and make you something you never thought you'd ever be. He has plans. He has your heritage in his hands. He loves you. That's your heritage. God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And somebody said it this morning, I was lost. I didn't know God at all. And he died for me. He sent his son to die for me. He is my heritage. On down in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes verse 13. One thirteen. This is where Solomon says this. I gave my heart to seek and to search out wisdom concerning all the things done under the heavens. Did you know they're doing everything under heaven now? They got so much on the plate of our children. They got so much on the plate of the children's fathers and mothers. They can't stop and say hi to each other. The plate's full. We're so busy. And most of the time when you get done with what you're doing, you'll look back and you'll think, I'm glad I got through that. That was a headache. It ain't some kind of a great heritage. You might have took care of the problem. You might have did the best you can. But can I tell you something? Get involved in what God's telling you to do. Because all of a sudden, you're going to see him changing lives behind you because they see Jesus in you. It's not you, it's him. They're looking for someone truly walking this walk. It says, this sore travail hath God given to the sons of men to be exercised with. I have seen, listen to what Solomon said, I have seen all the work, all the work that are done under the sun and behold, all is vanity. Oh, you got to be kidding. You mean why Solomon said, I've seen it all, I've tried it all, and it's all vanity? What are we working for? 
What has the enemy got inside of us that's dragging us through this world saying, get all you can get. Make it your chief goal to satisfy yourself here. When I can tell you this world won't satisfy you, you're going to always know I'm made for eternity. I'm not ready for eternity. You've got to ask yourself that question. And you know what? It's okay. Ask yourself every day because the devil will try his best to come right back in and sit down. The world says just be happy and do it your way. It tells you do all you can to attain the world and make your satisfaction your chief goal. Mark 8.36 says, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his only soul? Second Corinthians 4.18, just one verse. I'm just reading a couple things I got wrote to the side. It says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Christian, quit looking at the things that you see, you can see. Look for the things that you can't see. Put your faith in God, and when you don't see things happening, say, Lord, I'm coming to you and bringing my request to you. Lord, you know my cry from my heart. Touch my children. Touch my lost children. Touch my lost cousins. Touch my friends, my family. Touch those that are not in alignment with you, that do not love you, that do not serve you. Touch them and bring them to you. It says, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. There was a story that every one of you have heard. It's about a rich young ruler. He shows up and he asks Jesus, this was his question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? See, if you're here and you don't have eternal life, you need to be asking that question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, the last thing he said to him, after he'd said he'd done all those law things, in the verse 22 of Luke 18, Jesus said to him, now when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Wow. And then come and follow me, Jesus said. How many knows he gave him how to inherit? Didn't he? Didn't Jesus speak the right words to him? He said, sell what you have. More, more or less what he's saying is, get all this world out of you. Come and follow me, Jesus is saying. And when you get convicted in your heart or you get afraid because you know if you would die tonight or you die today, you're not ready for eternity, guess what? You need to remember this. You need to remember what Jesus said. Get rid of everything of this world in your heart and in your mind and focus and follow Jesus.
I don't know why this message is important, but it is to you today. Somebody's hearing what I'm saying. And I'm not trying to pick at nobody. I'm not trying to push at nobody. I want you just to hear what God is saying. In Acts 2.38, Peter said to those that ask, it says, then Peter said unto him, repent. Then those that came, and he preached on the day of Pentecost, Peter did, and those came and said, okay, we see it, but what should we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Have you done that? Have you repented? Have you been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, for the forgiveness of your sins? I'm not your judge. I'm not trying to tell you do something just in a formality. I'm trying to tell you bring your heart to him. If you say to yourself, I don't know how to get saved, this is what he's telling you. Come and repent of your sin, and he will save you. That's how everybody here got saved. There ain't nobody here got here on their merits. I didn't get here because my mom and dad was good people. That didn't put me in here. Only in Christ. That's who he's coming back for, those in Christ. Romans 8, verse 16. I just told you, you'll receive the Holy Spirit. It says in Romans 8, 16, the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That means it's God's responsibility and God's gift to let you know you're saved. All of a sudden, you're going to know, I don't think like I used to. The people I used to hate, I don't hate them no more. The people that I envied because they had so much. I feel sorry for them because that's all they got. They don't know Jesus. See, we was raised in Northside, and our whole heritage came down to what? Every one of us, I, I won't tell them, a couple thousand dollars apiece of seven kids. Mom and dad worked all their life. We got a couple thousand dollars apiece, and that was just for us kids. That's what was left when mom died. And we would have lost that. If she'd have lived a couple of months, we would have lost that 2000 Pay into the nursing home. Yeah, you think that's sad? I ain't sad. I've been blessed. I've been blessed beyond measure. Ain't got nothing to do with money. I've been blessed because my parents told me about Jesus. And they didn't tell me, just tell me. They lived it in front of us. We got no excuse, Becky. We have no excuse, Mark. We have to walk the walk that Jesus showed us. And I realize in this world, not everybody gets to see that picture. Not everybody, but those that do, don't whine about it. Be glad God saved your parents. Be glad he lifted them up out of sin and set them free. My wife came to church with Patty sitting back there, and it was Patty's dad 
that got saved watching Billy Graham on television. Got down in front of his television, gave his heart to God. And Patty, I knew from church, she introduced me to Shirley at school. That was 50-something years ago. We met 15, 16-year-old. But that's the way God works plans in your life. Don't look at it as a bad thing. It's a good thing when God steps in. It says, Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then we're heirs. Uh-oh. I mean, you're in the heritage. Christian, listen to me. You're in the heritage. You get to go to the new Jerusalem. Praise God. He went away to prepare a place for you and I. He's coming back to receive us unto himself. That where he is, we can be also. We just have to accept what he did. But he says we're children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Praise God. That's a good word right there. Them are good words, Paul wrote. In uh, Ephesians 1, I'm almost done. Back and come on back up. In Ephesians 1, verse 13, Paul said this to the Ephesian church, In whom you also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Praise God. Which is the earnest of our inheritance. Uh-oh, what does that mean? Earnest of our inheritance. What's the earnest of your inheritance? That when you accept Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in you. Guess what? That's a down payment earnest. Listen to what I'm saying. When I get to heaven, I'm going to need a new body because I can't stay in the presence of God all the time without a new body. This body gets wore out if I'm around the presence of God. It just drains me to be in the presence. But I love it. It's like I run to it. It's like ice cream's bad for me, but I eat it anyway. I can't get away from, if it's in the freezer, I keep walking by and open the door to see if it's still in there. Even when I've already ate some. Well, you know what? The Holy Spirit is a down payment inside of you letting you know I belong in another world. I don't belong to this world no more. I'm alive forevermore because of Jesus Christ is coming and renewed me and made me a new person. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. I don't know if anybody else deserves it. Billy Graham didn't deserve it. Jimmy Swagger don't deserve it. None of us deserve it, but it's what Jesus did. And if you'll invite him, he'll come into your heart. He says, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption and the purchased possession. That means it's paid for. Until the praise of his glory. Down in Colossians 1, it says, verse 12, it says, giving thanks to the Father, 
Paul wrote to the Colossians, giving thanks to the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance. Did you know you have been given the good inside of you is Christ in you. He is your righteousness. And because of that, guess what? You are a saint of God. Praise God. Do you, does that make you nervous because you call you a saint? No, it's a gift. It's what Jesus paid to make us part of who he is. It says, who had delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And the last one is 1 Peter 1, 3, 3 through 5. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to the, his abundant mercy has begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. To an inheritance. Uh-oh. We've been saved to an inheritance. Listen to what I'm saying. And guess what about our inheritance? It ain't an old, old house down in, in Indian Hills that you got to worry about. It's somebody keeping it up. Oh, no. It says to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and fades not away. Praise God. I can be, I can be 15 years old and gave my heart to God and I'm looking forward to that day or I can be 99 years old and I'm still looking to that day because it's still as good as it was the first day I got saved. Praise God. It's there. It's for God's people. Don't look down on it. Look up. Mike said something to me when I come up on the stage today. He said, when I got the message about your brother, he said, the song come to me on that great getting up morning. Hallelujah. When you bury somebody that you love and you don't know how you're going to go forward without seeing their face, guess what? On that great getting up morning. There's going to be a day when we're going to get up and go forward. I know my mom and dad is alive and well because they're in Christ. I ain't nobody. My father and mother was nobody. Nobody knew them, Bill. Nobody knew who they were. Nobody cared who they were. Just a couple of people in the north side, a couple of people in the poor area down there. Nobody understood. But I can look back. 68 years now, I can look back even as a child and know the days that my parents put up with us, tolerated every one of us, and took the time to teach us about Jesus. God will love you all of your life, but you have to turn your heart and your mind from this world, and you have to put Him before your face and you have to live for him make him your heritage today make him what you live for he's my inheritance David got it Jeremiah got it Asaph got it he's my inheritance my Lord is my inheritance my daddy used to come out here my mom used to get aggravated because he'd drive out here when there wasn't nothing going on at the church 
but he had to drive out and see if it was still here. And I would come in the parking lot a couple of times, and that's who I'd see him sitting way back here on the log. And he would be crying, looking up at the church. Not because he was glorying in what he had done. He was glorying in what God had done through him. Isn't that beautiful? See, I can look at that and I realize Papa got it. It went past this world and its things. I know when we was growing up, Pop never had, not one of us had the money to go to college. Not one of us had the money for anything. Pop did it all. I remember being told I couldn't go to youth camp because we didn't have $7 for me to go. And now it's about if a kid wants to do something, drop it all, race a workplace if you have to, but we got to pay for that kid to go to, go to wherever he wants to go. I'm not saying anything wrong with people. I'm just saying my parents didn't have nothing to give us except the inheritance that they received from Jesus. And I'm glad they gave it to us, Ken. We may not live up to it. We may not always do what we should. But I know where the source is. And I know every time the enemy pulls me into the world, I don't belong there. It's not my world. I'm going to leave it. Everybody stand, if you will. Are you living to receive your inheritance some people I listen to me I've been to funerals I would love to tell you I didn't see it but I see it I've been to so many funerals where people were so worried about what they were going to get next to their brother or their sister they were so afraid somebody else was going to take something they wanted and it's their inheritance. And they, and they were ready to hate that brother or sister the rest of their life if they didn't get what they thought they ought to get. And I think sometimes get what you want, but that's all you get. I'd rather have what my mother and father gave us. I'd rather have what God intended to give us. That's what's important. All that other stuff ain't going to matter. You're going to leave it behind. Somebody, even your good little kids, will fight over it. If, if not them, it'll be who they get married. They'll be fighting over your little bit of your little bit of money you leave them, or whatever it is. Because that's the way of man. That's the way of mankind. That's the way the world is. Do you have the down payment? of the inheritance inside of you. Do you have it in you today? I'm just bold enough to ask you, do you have it? Listen to me, everybody that gets it comes to him. You don't have to come to this altar, but you come to him. You ain't coming before us. Don't be ashamed to say, I need Jesus. Every one of us have to drop ourselves and say, you know what, I need Jesus. If you'll do that, he will show up today. I'm not going to hold you. I know I've already held you, but I'm not holding you no longer. You come if you need to pray. We will take time to talk to God. Nothing else is more important. Bear with us just about five minutes. And we're going to have prayer here in a minute. And we're going to do a little something extra. And then we'll be going back to eat.
Okay, won't take long at all. Go ahead. Once my soul was astray from the heavenly way. I was blind and wretched as could be. Then the Savior in love gave me peace from above. When he I don't care how old you are, young or old. But listen to me. When I was young, I tried to fill my plate with all the stuff I like to do. Play ball. I like to play ball. I like to. I would. My teachers would get. A, I got in trouble most of the time because I would sit and stare out the window at the pre, the playground half the time, and the teacher thought I was never paying attention. So she would get after me all the time. But the real truth is. 
This world's not your home. You need Jesus. And you'll find out all the things in this life are dead ends. The day, the day of playing ball, it just got soured up, started fading away. All the things that you do, you may have a good time. There's pleasure in sin for a season. There's pleasure in things. But can I tell you something? You need Jesus. Don't put him off. You don't never know when your tomorrow is done. Praise God. Going to turn this over to Sue. We got something special going on. If you would care just to sit down for a moment. Carl and Patty, if you would come on this way and not sit back down, but come on up this way for me. Connie, bring them up, and if you would, you come up with them so we could do a, a picture with you and your husband. If, would he care to come? So how many, let me say by a show of hands, how many has been married 45 years? There's a few. You can just turn around right there and be okay. How many has been married 50? There's a few more. How about 60? 60? We got 160? How about 70? <laughs> turn around if you would. Patty, we have this honor for you today, and we have Hilvers here. Hilvers catered their wedding, and Hilvers is catering our dinner today for them, and it's in your honor, because 70 years with the same person, that is a feat, and I know that only by the grace of God, am I telling you the right? Yeah, you better believe that. <laughs> So we're going to, we have a song for them. If you want to sit right here in the front row, we've got a special song for you today. So we, uh, but we do want to honor 70 years because I don't think there's too many of us that might make that, but by God's grace, we will. I hope he comes back before then. But uh, we want to honor them with a song today. Becky and Matt. Well, I never thought that I, find a love like this I can't help but believe somehow it's heaven sent and when you look at me I can see forever in your eyes and the only way I know how to say what I feel inside is only Jesus could love you more than I do. Only Jesus could know how much I cherish you. 
I prayed that someday you come along. There were nights I had my doubts, but then he proved me wrong. Cause when I met you right then I knew I'd found my best friend and I'm so sure that a love so pure could only come from him only Jesus could love you more than I, I do only Jesus oh could love you more that you are everything in this whole world that I've been searching for cause only Carl, can I give you the mic and you bless the food? Here, you don't have to stand up. Father, we come in Jesus' precious name. Thank you so much for your blood, Jesus, that you shed at Calvary. And Father, I ask you to bless this food as we go to partake of it. But Lord, I ask you to bless our pastor and his wife and all the elders in the congregation. This is a beautiful congregation, Lord, that you've given here. And we just praise you today. I thank you so much for all the years that you put up with me, Lord. But oh, I thank you the day you called me forth and saved my soul. I just praise you, Jesus, for all that you are and all that you've been and all that you're going to do for eternity in your precious name. I praise you, Jesus. Amen. 